best movie hour. Oh, ho, ho, ho. back in the saddle. Whew. That is, wow. What a way to start the episode. Um, back in the saddle. I've never rode a horse. I've always been afraid of horses. Like, I, I, like I, I recognize horses are, like, beautiful like, uh, elegant creatures, but man, they're so big and scary, and like, growing up, I heard so many stories about people getting, like, kicked by horses, and dying, or losing parts of their brain, or you're just meeting people who got kicked by horses who were just really, really odd people, so, not a horse guy, cool, very cool, majestic, you know, very few animals are majestic, uh, but, but, but horses, Horses aren't, like, like even, like, like a giraffe is awesome, but it's not, it's a little, I'd say it's a little dorky. It's like a dorky animal, um, but a horse is majestic. It's got a mane, you know, and they, they figured it out, you know, they're pampered. My lips are dry. So I'm recording this episode, obviously, audio, but also video. Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to upload this just to YouTube not YouTube at all, just TikTok or TikTok and YouTube. Kind of just depends. No promises. Uh, but the promise I do have for you is that I will be bringing you weekly episodes via your ears, via this podcast. And I just realized I've been way too close to this mic. I've been leaning into it. I don't need to. It's probably too loud. I've also got the levels up pretty high right now. So, on the docket today, all right, we're gonna we're gonna watch some new trailers. Okay, we got some pretty good new trailers out this week. Uh, some of them I'm not gonna watch. Why? Because I'm not gonna watch the movie. Like I'm just spoilers. I'm not gonna watch Hocus Pocus two. Not gonna watch it. Um, and even if I somehow do, not gonna talk about it on here. I just don't want to. So I don't even think I'll watch the trailer. But um. An Apple, an Apple uh, original film, Luck, from Skydance Animations. Dropped a new trailer. Going to watch that. Trailer for David O. Russell's Amsterdam. I have not watched the trailer yet. I've saved it for this. So we're going to watch those, talk about them. And then I promised a triple review this week. I did. I did. The Black Phone, Thor Love and Thunder, and the greatest film of the year, Minions The Rise of Gru. Now, I'll be honest. I'm being dead serious. Each time I tried to buy tickets to see The Minions Rise of Gru, the theater was sold out. Sold out. I, I don't even... like. Particularly where I live, Springfield, Missouri must have the highest saturation of Minion fans out there. I, somehow, some way. They've, they're having showings as early as 10 a.m., and I couldn't get tickets. So I'm dead serious. The Minions Rise of Gru, which is smashing box office records. 
I couldn't even see. I couldn't see because it was sold out. So I wasn't able to see it. It's a hot ticket, I guess. Um, I did get a chance to see the black phone finally. We'll talk about that. I'll give my review. It's going to be a spoiler review. It's been out for a while now. So, um, And then um, Thor Love and Thunder, I'll give a spoiler-free review followed by a spoiler review for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. I'm excited to talk about both of those. And hopefully, hopefully next episode, I will uh, be able to um, see the minions. Or minions. Memeians. They're memeians, let's be honest. The Rise of Gru. Uh, and then after we talk about Thor Love and Thunder and I give my review, which uh, you can check my score right now. If you go to Instagram and my Twitter. My Twitter's at MacBest3. Instagram at OnlyTheBest108. I've already posted my score, but I'll give a full review here. After I talk about that, I'm going to give my thoughts on Phase 4 of the MCU. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's a Marvel release. This isn't going to be something I talk about every week. I'm only going to talk about Marvel when a trailer drops or a movie comes out. So don't expect this podcast to be a Marvel podcast, but I feel like I now is the time to talk about Phase 4. It's what everybody's talking about. Um a lot of mixed thoughts out there, and I'm happy to um, talk about them. And I might even play some TikToks I found this week from some creators that I found um, interesting, and then um, dissect from there. Um, so yeah, you know what? I'm gonna start with my black phone review. That's that's how I'm gonna start this. Okay, so the black phone. I'll read the description. After being abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement, a 13-year-old boy starts receiving calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. It's currently sitting at a 7.3 out of 10 on IMDb. That's a good store, uh, good score for um, IMDb. It is directed by Scott Derrickson, who did Sinister as well as the first Doctor Strange film. Um, it stars Ethan Hawke as the Grabber, as well as uh, an ensemble of young uh, child actors, such as uh, Mason Temps, who plays the uh, uh, main kid in this, Finney, as well as his sister, who I thought was who I thought was the standout performance of the whole movie, uh, played by I want to butcher uh, this. Oh, Madeline McGraw, or Madeline McGraw. I thought she was fantastic and she delivered the like for a horror movie I'm dead serious she delivered the most laugh out funny line of 2022 so far and if you haven't seen the movie I'm not even going to say it You, you like it happens in the first 15-20 minutes so funny it's funny enough that even though this is a spoiler review I'm not going to save it uh, say it um, Jeremy Davies as well uh, who I was happy to see He's a very good actor. He was uh, in my uh, one of my favorite shows of all time, Lost, as Daniel Faraday. And you might know him from Twister, uh, Secretary, um, and Saving Private Ryan. He's in Saving Private Ryan as well. Uh, and I think he will he will be in my review. He uh, he played a part in my overall rating. My rating was an eighty six out of one hundred. It's a good movie. It was. Um, so it's based on the short story, The Black Phone, written by Joe Hill, 
who is the son of Stephen King. And I'll just say, it shows. Uh, this concept, the way the story unfolds, the characters, very much like Stephen King. So if you are a Stephen King fan, you will enjoy this. Um, my main criticism of the film is the premise and the concept was very strong, very interesting, which is in this small town in, uh, no, no, in Denver. They're in Denver. It's at least in Colorado. I can't, I can't exactly remember the, the uh, geography of this, but um, these kids start going missing, and uh, the main character, Fenny, ends up going missing, and a supernatural black phone that is disconnected from the wall of his basement begins calling him, and it is this kidnapper's prior victims helping Finney escape from the clutches of the grabber. Great concept. Very interesting. Very dark. I don't quite think they stuck the landing on how great that premise should have been. I don't know if that's the short story, um, because I do think that this... Is uh, this can this is very novelistic, in the sense that it is character focused on not only Finney but Gwen. I would like to think that the grabber. I haven't read the short story, but I'd like to think that the grabber was probably a bit more of an explored character in the short story. Uh, if Joe Hill's anything like Stephen King, he's probably very good at diving into the psyche and the thoughts of the characters, which is unfortunately something you just can't quite do in film. Right in the same way that in a novel, it's very hard to um, describe like a tone. Um, whereas with a film, you have music and lighting and sound to do that. Right. The concept was so strong, but all the elements didn't quite live up to the potential of the premise. But never, nevertheless, it was a it was it, it was a good movie. Um, I believe it's cracked my top 10 uh, on the year. Uh, well, yeah, it definitely has. It definitely has cracked my top 10 in the year. I I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. Uh, the performances, it's interesting. At the beginning, the child performances were a bit... They were, I'm not going to lie, like, I felt like they were a bit cringy. Um, but they got better as time went on. Again, uh, Madeline McGraw, she was incredible. And I thought Mason Timms as Fenny was... Uh, pretty good he got better as it went on i would i'm curious to know if this was filmed in chronological order because it, the performances got so much better as the film went on i i, I would think so ethan hawk i'm not gonna lie like no complaints i just felt like it could have been a lot more and it wasn't as far as like just for most of the movie he's not in it he's really not in that movie that much he wears a mask for the majority of it you, you don't get to see much of a performance because his face is covered. Um, yeah, I think this movie could have been a lot better than it was, but for someone who isn't a humongous horror fan, I thought it was good, and I, I enjoyed it. And the directing was good. So, yeah, I, all things considered, 86 out of 100, it's a B-plus movie, something I'd recommend for sure. Uh, it's a good theater experience. Saw it with my brother. Had a good time. It, it wasn't that scary either. I mean, they, they built some suspense. Also, some visual elements didn't land sometimes. I kind of felt 
like the black phone itself uh, was a lot more of a, uh, it, it actually pulsates in the movie. Like it almost looks like an inflating balloon, inflating and deflating. I feel like in the book, it probably was more of a feeling. I think if it had called to Finney in a more cinematic way, it would have been better. So there was that. Uh, I, I and, and as much as I love the actor of Jeremy Davies, I think this was a miscast. He plays an abusive alcoholic father, and I just I didn't buy him in the part. I think he did as good as he possibly could in the performance, even with being miscasted. So no knock on him, more on the casting. I felt like Jeremy Davies wasn't quite right uh, in that part. But, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see more team-ups um, with Joe Hill and Scott Derrickson. I think that it um, it worked. So the black phone, go see it's still in theaters. And real quick, let's take a break. Okay, we're back. So before I get into Thor Love and Thunder, I promised a triple review. I promised a review of Minions Rise of Gru. I couldn't see the movie. It was sold out. But my little sister, Rory, saw it last night with some friends. Okay. She told me that there was clapping and cheering throughout the movie. If you were not aware of this internet craze, this Minions culture that has been created um, by like a young adult audience, please look it up. Look up The Gentleman. Look up Minions... Just look up Minions meme, Minions TikTok. It's so funny. Um, just look it up. I can't do it justice explaining it. I asked her if she would come on and give her review since I didn't see it and she did. She said no. She's a little she's a little tentative to come on. I understand. This isn't for everybody. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to call her. I'm going to call her into the show. And I'm just going to ask her to give her one word review. That's it. Her one-word review of the movie. Should I FaceTime her? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to FaceTime her. Right where the kids play. And he's like, I've been trying to capture it for weeks. Hello? Hello? What are you doing? doing? Oh, what are you doing? I'm in the car. Where are you going? Uh, we were at Granny's house. Oh. We were taking care of Zeus. Okay. Uh, well, Rory, I, I know you didn't want to be on the show, but I, I promised the audience a triple review, so I've made a compromise. I need your one-word review of Minions Rise of Gru. One word review. Here, I'll just say that the ending was pretty surprising. Oh. All right, there you have it. I didn't expect it. Okay. Okay. (laughs) All right. Bye. Bye. Okay, there you have it. Unexpected ending. That, That has me interested. What could it be? There you go, Minions Rise Grow. I promise you a triple review. There you go. In-depth, thoughtful, good ending, huh? All right. Is it time? 
Oh, trailers. Let's watch the trailers first. Let's do that. Uh, so um, we'll watch the trailers and get, in, get into the Thor review. Um, so first up, we have Amsterdam. Description. Set in the 30s, it follows three friends who witness a murder, become suspects them, themselves, and uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. The film stars Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, John David Washington, Chris Rock, Anya Taylor-Joy, Zoe Saldana, Mike Myers, Michael Shannon, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Taylor Swift, Rami Malek, and Robert De Niro. What a cast. Wow. Directed by and written by David O. Russell, who did American Hustle, Silver Linings Playbook, The Fighter. Just bangers. Um, Yeah, likes working with Jennifer Lawrence, but she doesn't appear to be in this one. Got ouster for Margot Robbie. It happens. It happens, man. She's the hot ticket, I guess. Taylor Swift in this, though. Interesting. Uh, John David Washington. He keeps getting the parts. Okay. So let's watch the trailer. Harold, I don't know what you think you're doing. Excuse me. Hello. Got a dead white man in a box. So two soldiers and a nurse found ourselves in... Amsterdam. Linked to addiction. Oh, that's fast. Mm-hmm. That is advanced. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that looks um <clears throat> that looks interesting. That looks like it could be it definitely looks fun. I'm always skeptical, I'll be honest, I'm always skeptical of films with giant casts. Because I feel like either it's very, very good. Like, the script was so interesting that, like, these great actors couldn't resist. Or they they needed a big cast for this movie to work, right? They're trying to just trick us into it. But David O. Russell, he has a great track record. I mean, this is, this is quite the ensemble. It looks quirky. It looks fun. Yeah, this is... It was a good trailer. I like this song. What is that song? Expected November 4th. Of this year. I I have no idea what this story is. It says that a lot of this really happened. Huh. Okay. All right. Amsterdam. There you go. I'll, I'll definitely be watching that. For sure. Coming to theaters. Okay. All right. Next up. Luck. So Luck is an Apple original film by Skydance Animation. This is, this is the description. The curtain is pulled back on the millennia-old battle between the organizations of good luck and bad luck that secretly affects everyday lives. Uh, expected to release... Oh, it's releasing August 5th. Pretty soon. Um, Simon Pegg, Jane Fonda, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Flula Borg, Lil Rel, Howry, John Ratzenberger. There we go. Okay. So, I believe, this is interesting, directed by Peggy Holmes, who, is this her directorial debut? Wow. Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. She's done, uh, I mean, well, she did, like, some Tinkerbell stuff. Okay. Um, Additional crew and a lot of stuff. Uh, Written by... Kiel Murray, who wrote 
Cars. Cars 3. Okay. And Raya and the Last Dragon. Interesting. And there we go. Produced by John Lasseter. That was the interesting thing. So I believe that John Lasseter... Should have prepared a little bit more here. But I believe that Skydance Studios is a newer company? Or no? Okay, yes. So... Well, okay. So this is, is this, Skydance Animation is what I'm... Because I don't know... Okay. Founded in March of 2017. And the head of animation is John Lasseter. Yes, that's what I was looking for. So this is interesting, right? Because John Lasseter is one of the founding members of Pixar, right? John Lasseter is the director of Toy Story. And he is one of the absolute visionaries that shaped modern animation. I mean, this guy's a legend, right? Um, tons of producer credits, but if you, if you want to look at his directing credits, you all the way back, um, Luxo Jr., Tin Toy, Red Stream, Knick Knack, all the OG Pixar shorts, that's him. Toy Story, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Cars. And that was the last time, because he became, I believe, the CCO, uh, Chief Creative Officer of Pixar. But he was... He was uh, the... He was in the middle of a sexual sexual harassment sort of deal. I, I, I don't want to get this wrong. John Lasseter controversy. I don't want to get this wrong, so I'm going to look it up here. In November 2017, Lasseter took a six-month leave of absence after acknowledging allegations of workplace sexual misconduct that he described as, quote-unquote, missteps with employees in a memo to staff. The alleged misconduct towards employees included grabbing, kissing, and making comments about physical attributes. So he is no longer at Pixar, has not been. He's also done a lot of work with Disney, just Disney itself, not Disney Pixar. But uh, he is now the head of Skydance Animation. And this will be its first big release on Apple. So, you know, we're going to see with John Lasseter at the helm if we can get something Pixar-esque, something new, something fresh. So I'm going to watch the trailer now. Good luck to us both. I blame bad luck for everything that's gone wrong in my life. Something that could finally turn my life around. You flushed my panty down the toilet! This is where good luck is born! A dragon? She's the only creature that can sniff out bad luck. There's battle! Good luck to us both. What about Jeff? Okay. Um, hmm. That's, that's interesting. Ah, okay. <clears throat> it's just a trailer, right? I'm gonna be honest, I... 
don't like. Does that? Am I crazy? Or does that animation look a little? Does it look a little on the cheap side? Is that crazy? It doesn't look. It doesn't look like it's got a lot of detail in there. Um, if the whole movie is just going to be about this main character experiencing bad luck and like instances of luck, I uh, I don't know. But Apple isn't missing lately, so I'm sure they got it up their sleeve. Definitely got to be watching that. Uh, Yeah, okay. So luck, that's on the horizon. All right. It's time. Thor, love, and thunder. Here we go. So, description. This is uh, spoiler-free. Spoiler-free. Thor enlists the help of Valkyrie Korg and ex-girlfriend Jane Foster to fight Gore the God Butcher, who intends to make the gods extinct. All right, so obviously it stars Chris Hemsworth, Natalie Portman, Christian Bale, Tessa Thompson, Taika Waititi, Russell Crowe, and the Guardians of the Galaxy, Chris Pratt, Dave Bautista, Karen Gillan, Palm Clementif, Sean Gunn, Vin Diesel as Groot, Bradley Cooper as Rockets, and some fun surprises scattered throughout, directed and written by Taika Waititi, who of course did Thor Ragnarok, as well as Jojo Rabbit, and The Hunt for the Wilder People, one of my favorite directors. I've liked every movie Taika Waititi has made. Okay, in fact, I loved Hunt for the Wilder People. I very much liked Jojo Rabbit, and I loved Thor Ragnarok. As for this one, I <sighs> loved it. I did. I, I Honestly, I loved it. A um, lot of criticisms being thrown around for this one, um, which I will get into bigger detail about in the spoiler section, but a lot of people feel like the emotion of the film is interrupted by too much humor, too much goofiness, too much shock value in certain elements, which is fair. That's a, I think that's a fair criticism, but to be honest, it's kind of what I wanted. I wanted just an all-out... I mean, I think that we this is what we should have expected. You know, Taika Waititi was quoted as saying, I can't believe Marvel let me make this movie. This is the craziest thing I've ever done. I mean, it's called Love and Thunder. Like, Ragnarok, I understand, you know, if you can, like, Ragnarok is the Norse apocalypse, right? So, I under, I would understand that criticism if Ragnarok, which Ragnarok was really funny and goofy, like, whatever, but I'd understand criticism if you just felt like it was just jam-packed full of jokes and whatnot and didn't uh, deliver on the threat. I didn't feel like the threat of this movie was equals a Ragnarok. I mean, the end of Asgard, the Asgard apocalypse, that's not this. Yeah, you got Gore the God Butcher, right, who wants to kill all the gods. Thor's a god. Okay. That's a a pretty, I feel like that's a pretty common thing, right? Oh, they want to, I don't know. I feel like it's a pretty common element. I wasn't, I mean, look at this poster. I mean, look at the poster for this thing. You expect this to be a serious movie? You've got goats carrying a ship. You've got 
you know, Thor and this, I mean, this is just 80s. There's sparkles all over everything. You got Valkyrie on a Pegasus. It's called Love and Thunder. I got what I expected. This movie's bold. This movie is off its rocker. This movie is absolutely hilarious. And to me, it kind of, it just felt like a really awesome Thor adventure. And I think expectations are clouding a lot of these recent Marvel projects because you expect each one to be revolutionary to the story, right? But, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like old Marvel used to do this a lot. This is the fourth Thor movie. At this point, you're making these Thor movies because... You just want to keep making them. You want to have fun. You realize Ragnarok was awesome. It was hilarious. It reinvented Thor. I felt like this movie took what Ragnarok created and then just ran with it. And you, like, uh, so it, here's my, okay, reset. In Ragnarok, Thor, Thor loses everything, right? He loses his hammer. He loses his hair. He basically loses his powers. Um... He loses his father, right? He loses, and then he loses Asgard, right? Thor Ragnarok destroys everything Thor is. In this movie, he's got the hair back, he's got the eye back, he's got a even bigger hammer, and he's got a new Asgard, right? And what's missing in his life, of course, is the love. That's kind of the you know the the main theme of the movie. So I, I just loved that Thor was Thor again. You know, like, Ragnarok was like, okay, Thor 1 and 2 didn't work. We got to revamp this character. What do we do? We literally start from scratch. Let's tear down the house and rebuild it. And this is living in that house, is what I felt like. I felt like this was like, all right, come on, guys. We're having a barbecue at Thor's place. It's called Love and Thunder. That's what I felt like. And a lot of the criticisms I'm hearing are... There's not enough Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcher and not a lo- not enough of Natalie Portman's Mighty Thor. I disagree. I-, I feel like this movie was long enough, two hours. I thought it was quick. I thought it was fun. I thought it hit its beats. I really did. And, and that's something I am usually critical of, but I-, I-, I didn't, I'm not, I'm just this time around, I'm not connecting to a lot of the criticisms of this one. I thought that Gore... Like, in Ragnarok, I think uh, Taika made a mistake trying to include Hela, the villain, almost too much. The story with Thor didn't have time. It, it kind of was, they had to hit the brakes every, like, 15 minutes to go back to see what Hela was doing, right? I think he took that criticism and went, okay, well, in that case, I'm going to show Gore in the beginning. This is kind of a spoiler, but then he's going to go away for a while and he's going to show up at the end. I don't have an issue with that. that. That's a pretty common story structure is, you know, the villain creates the threat in the beginning. The heroes have to figure out how to stop him in the middle, and then in the end, they try to stop him. So I don't... I, I didn't see that. Now, I do not believe Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie was in it enough. I thought she was wildly underutilized, and when she was on screen, I thought she was great. That would be my criticism. 
I give it a 92 out of 100. Call me crazy. Call me crazy if you want. I love this movie. Really loved it. I would actually say I loved it more than Ragnarok, but can also recognize that Ragnarok is a better film. It is. Because it does hit those emotional beats better. This this was just an all-out crazy adventure, is what I felt like. And the ending... I really liked. I really liked the ending. But there's my spoiler-free review of Love and Thunder. So now, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Thor, Love and Thunder. Here we go. Taking a drink. All right. So, 58 on Metascore, a 68% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is criminal. If you watch this movie and think it is the second worst Marvel movie, <laughs> Eternals is a 47. This is a 68. That's the second lowest Rotten Tomato score for a Marvel movie. You're crazy. You're crazy, in my opinion. I have it at 12. I have it at 12 out of, what, 35, 36? Uh, yeah. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. And again, I just... Vaguely spoke about those elements. I thought Gore the God Butcher was fantastic. I thought Christian Bale. You know, I expected it to be good, and I thought I knew what I was going to get going into this. I got something I didn't expect. He was so creepy. And so often Marvel really like really tries to make the villains not humongous threats necessarily. You know, they try to add some humorous elements to them. They didn't with gore, which I thought was cool. It was a great compliment because the movie is so funny and the characters are so wacky. And to get, every time gore was on screen, you're like, oh man, no messing around now. You know, um, I just thought he was, and I and I love how they start the movie with gore and why he became a villain. I, I, think, I think that was really great writing by Taika. I thought Taika really... Did a great job. I just loved Thor in this. Oh my god, I just gotta say, because I'm looking at this poster, I see Mjolnir, I see Stormbreaker on the front. No one but Taika Waititi would think, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna create a love triangle between Thor and his two hammers. That is just, that's genius. When he would just be, you know, salivating over Mjolnir and then Stormbreaker would literally just pop into the frame, jealous. So hilarious. I found that so funny. The Mighty the mighty Thor, Natalie Portman. I'm going to be honest. I just don't think Natalie Portman... I just don't think... I don't think it was the best performance. I think Natalie Portman is a great dramatic actor. I think she struggles... With comedic delivery. She's a great actress, obviously. There's a reason that she has been consistently getting roles since she was 11 years old. She's very talented. But, I mean, I think you got to be a liar not to think that a lot of the lines she delivered in this were pretty... They kind of fell flat just because I don't think she's very... She's not a very good comedic actor. And that's fine. That's no knock. A lot of people aren't good comedic... Comedy's tough. It's very tough. From an acting standpoint, you know, but Chris Hemsworth, he did an incredible job. Of course, he always does. The Screaming Goats, 
It was funny every time. And Russell Crowe as Zeus, how is he so funny? When he just comes down the stairs and flaunts off his little skirt and all that. So funny, man. I'm kind of going all over the place, but that's kind of how this movie is. It's hard to just... <laughs> it's hard to just, like, go down the list. Um, I was very surprised at that Jane actually died. That she actually went to Valhalla. And, and what really surprised me is that Gore died, got his daughter back... And then Thor promised to watch over his daughter. Like, I just thought that was so bold, so interesting. It keeps Thor even more fresh than he already was. And now you've got love and thunder. You have got Thor and his little girl sidekick, who is also played by his real-life daughter. Come on. I mean, how can you not love that ending? He's literally going to be fighting. He's going to be fighting the threats of the universe alongside his real life daughter. And then, oh my God, the end credit. Jumped out of my seat. Brett Goldstein, Roy Kent from Ted Lasso as Hercules. Are you kidding me, Marvel? Come on, incredible. Blew me away. I lo also I loved Axel. I loved Axel um Heimdall's son. I loved the moment where he saves all the kids and takes them back to Asgard and he summons the Bifrost. I thought that was awesome. And then we get Idris Elba at the end in that last end credit scene. Uh and Russell Crowe's going to be back. He's back for blood. I'm excited for Thor 5. I really liked it, you know. I'll I'll pull up my ranking here. Why I gave it a 92. So I took off points for, let me pull it up here. Okay. Come on, open them. So I took off some points on off the characters um, because I just felt like Valkyrie wasn't utilized well enough. I just didn't. And I do think there's an argument that Natalie Portman's Thor was kind of rushed into there. Um, the performances, I gave a 9. Again, I gave it a 9 out of 10 performances just because I felt like Natalie Portman just didn't hit those comedic notes. Um, the script, it's not a perfect script, right? Which is what I'm used for with Taika. Uh, but it, I thought it was great. I took off a little bit of points there just because it, it was just a tad... It just wasn't, you, you can just tell when a script isn't just quite there. The cinematography kind of disappointed me a bit. I thought a lot of the shots were could have been so much more grand, but they weren't. Some CGI moments, some obvious green screen moments kind of took me out of it a bit. Uh, the themes of love were a little inconsistent. I feel like when it was being spoke about, about love and loss and sacrifice and stuff like that, it, it was working, but it just wasn't sprinkled in there quite enough. Um, which made the execution fall just a bit for me. And just overall, out of 10, beginning, middle, and end, the beginning, middle, and end weren't quite a 10 out of 10, but I gave them a 9. And then the directing, I again, Taiku is one of the best directors out there, but I think his overall work here wasn't his absolute best. I would, I would, put, I would put Love and Thunder as his quote-unquote 
worst movie, and I still think it's a great movie. Wildly entertaining, no complaints. Um, I should probably, you know, I probably should have knocked down the visuals a bit because I did kind of forget some of the visuals, but they didn't look bad. It's just I don't like when you kind of know it's a green screen. Uh, editing was good. The visual, I love the black and white in the Shadow Realm, and I love the music. Man, the music was good. So, yeah, that's Thor Love and Thunder. Definitely recommend. Hopefully you're not listening to this if you haven't seen it and getting spoiled, but even if you are, definitely recommend. Don't listen to the critics, in my opinion. Everyone I saw it with loved it too. They all loved it. Also, oh man, I got the uh, the AMC Popcorn 10 Thor's Hammer. Amazing. Amazing. So yeah, Thor Love and Thunder. I cannot wait for Thor 5. So, let's round this sucker out. And let's talk about Phase 4. Alright, so if you're a casual Marvel fan um, or viewer, um, Marvel plans out, because it's a cinematic universe, uh, plans out their releases in phases, right? They have this all planned out. They've done that since the beginning. Phase 1 was from Iron Man to Avengers. And then Phase 2 was whatever... um, I can't exactly remember, but there's been three phases. Phase four has included Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, Spider-Man No Way Home, Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and then the television shows on Disney+, Plus: WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, Miss Marvel, currently Hawkeye, Moon Knight. That's it so far. More titles to come, including later this year, Black Panther 3, I mean Black Panther 2, excuse me, uh, Wakanda Forever, uh, the Marvels, uh, later, uh, early next year. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 next summer. As well as Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania next year as well. I believe July. And then 2024, we are getting Blade and the Fantastic Four. <clears throat> That'll be it for Phase 4 films. Disney Plus shows still have... She-Hulk on the Horizon, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Armor Wars, I Am Groot, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, which releases this Christmas, this holiday season. So there's still a while to go. Um, yeah, this is weird. This says that Blade and Fantastic Four come out in 2023. It's not wrong. It all got pushed. It all got pushed. Hashtag COVID. Hashtag pandemic, I guess. But some other stuff, production issues and whatnot. Um, so, yeah. I A lot of people have been saying they don't feel like there is this cohesive story in Phase 4 thus far. Now, that's fair. But if you look at this here, we've only seen half the movies from Phase 4. We, we, are, literally at the, we are literally at the halfway point. There have been six films to come out and four, five, seven shows. The shows are getting less, and I don't think I Am Groot's going to have much implication because that's going to be like a little shorts like show like I Am Forky on Disney+. Plus. We're only halfway through. Like, I mean, if you go back and you look at, let's say, Phase 3... Phase 3, Marvel. Okay. Let's look what Phase 3 was. Phase 3 
goes Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Endgame, Captain Marvel, and Spider-Man Far From Home. Okay. So, it starts with Civil War. Now, Civil War, does that necessarily... I don't know if that necessarily tells you, like, oh, so now they're going to do Infinity War. Right? Like, breaks up all the Avengers. I don't feel like Doctor... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here, because, like, Doctor Strange shows you, like, another Infinity Stone. I think that's kind of what people are alluding to, is there was this sort of, like, Infinity Stone thing going on in the first three phases that, you know, they were dropping hints. Um, but I don't know. I just feel like phase four is kind of setting the table, right? We're reinventing these characters, but also introducing new ones. And obviously spoilers for anybody who has seen any of this. I'm going to talk completely spoilers on all this. So we start off phase four with black widow, right? Which the only reason black widow happened was to introduce Florence Pugh as Yelena Blova, right? The new black widow, quote unquote. Um, so Black Widow it, it barely counts in this. I mean, I think Yelena is like the best character in Marvel right now. Hot take, maybe not. Then you get Shang-Chi. Now, Shang-Chi was fantastic. It was I thought it was incredible. We get the Ten Rings, which is made of a material that is not in the codex. You know, at the end of the movie, they don't know where these rings were made from. Okay. Then we got Eternals. And Eternals kind of deals with this like ancient beings of like it's exploring this greater universe and maybe this greater multiverse of beings and materials and stuff right which i think is kind of on track with shang chi then we get no way home what no way home does is it shows okay listen we we can we can do this multiverse thing we can do it right like we can bring other people in from other multiverses. There's a way to do it. And it also completely reinvents Spider-Man. Completely reinvents him. It almost shows that that original trilogy of Homecoming, Far From Home, and, and No Way Home were basically an origin story for the MCU Spider-Man, right? Then we get Multiverse of Madness, which just shows you another way the multiverse can work, right? And it completely reinvents Doctor Strange. He causes an incursion. He gets the third eye. He uses the Darkhold. It becomes corrupted. I think Multiverse of Madness is throwing a wrench into the way people view Phase 4. Which, it's like, one, one movie doesn't hit very hard, and you think, like, the whole phase isn't working. Everyone loved WandaVision. Falcon and Winter Soldier recreated... Captain America, it, it reinvented the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? Neither of them are what they were when the show began. And then Loki has blown the door open to this greater threat, which is Kang the Conqueror. You know, Loki has been the most important title thus far. What does What If do? What If accomplishes, hey, all this here, this greater universe thing, we're going to show you a little bit about it. How about Owatu the Watcher? How about, hey, look at these other universes. What can happen? Right? We already got... We already got Captain Carter and Multiverse of Madness. I, I don't understand the criticisms. What I see thus far in Phase 4 is Marvel kind of dangling in front of us 
these different multiversal elements, right? Then you've got Miss Marvel, which I'm behind on, I will admit, but the cuffs that she wears, right? Doesn't that kind of give you a Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings vibe? There's a connection, right? And obviously Hawkeye sort of thing. Reinvent the character, introduce Kate Bishop, basically Black Widow, right? And then Moon Knight, Moon Knight was just, hey, let's kind of let's kind of test the waters here with a more a more gruesome show. It wasn't very gruesome. But again, we're only halfway through the phase. Right? Obviously, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is going to completely reinvent the character because the character is no longer there. What are they going to do? The Marvel's going to be a big team up. It's going to reinvent Captain Marvel. Because now she's going to have these two other heroes with her. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That's going to be a swan song for the Guardians. Right? That's it for them. And who knows what's going to come out on the other side. You know, are they going to make a spinoff series with Rocket or something? Like, who knows? You know what I mean? Or, uh, who, who's who's going to remain? Because they're not just going to end it and it's just going to be, oh, there's no more Guardians. There's going to be something, right? But Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, you don't think that's going to... I mean, King the Con- Conqueror, Jonathan Majors, is confirmed for that. You don't think that's going to blow and kind of connect these things open? Right? Connect these, Blow these things open and connect them? That's going to directly impact Loki. And Kang is a multiversal villain. So what I see, and then he got, and then he got Fantastic Four, which I think can only work if it takes place in an, in another universe. But I don't know. To me, this is what I see. What I see is they're showing all these different ways the multiverse can be accessed. They're setting up these new characters, Shang Chi. The Eternals, um, in Thor, in Thor: Love and Thunder, you've got, you know, you've got this new sidekick to Thor. We're we're getting Amon Vellani as Miss Marvel. We've already set up Monica Rambeau's Photon. We've got the new Captain America. We've got the new Winter Soldier. We've got Moon Knight. Even though I don't think he's going to be like a Avenger, not to mention the Thunderbolts. You know, Yelena Belova, Zemo. Uh, you've got, um, oh my God, can't remember his name. Wyatt Russell, uh, U.S. agent. You've got Kate Bishop. They're they're building a new universe. Like Endgame was an Endgame. They have to start. They're basically starting over, right? Like by by the time this is all said and done, the only OGs we're gonna have are Thor. Right, and they've had to completely reinvent him. The Guardians are going to be gone, and they're not even OGs. You know, Wanda, as we know it, as we know her, she's basically not the same anymore. Is she? She's not dead, but she might be dead. You know what I mean? They're setting the table for Phase Five. Right, like Phase Five is going to be because we're going to look at 2024 is when this phase is going to wrap up. 2025, we will be six years removed from Endgame. Six years, right? Now let's look at the timeline. The first Avengers, 2012. Infinity War, 2018. That's six years. You're setting the table. We're probably going to get... We're, we're going to get clarification and all this by the end of it. We're going to see where they're going. We're only halfway through. I mean, you expect to... Like, the... 
they're setting the table, right? There's not, yeah, there's not a Tesseract. There's not Infinity Stones. But what, what we are seeing is crossovers. We're seeing, okay, there's cracks in all of this. What happened in Multiverse of Madness will impact other things. Like, we already saw characters we've never seen before, like Reed Richards. You know, we're seeing Professor X from the X-Men 97 animated series, which coincidentally is coming back to Disney Plus soon. So to me, you set up these new characters and the old ones, you reinvent them and you make them the more important storylines like Spider-Man, Multiverse of Madness. So and we're going to end with Fantastic Four. What about Doctor Doom? Ever heard of him? I think that's going to be important, probably. I'm not saying Phase 4 is perfect, but we're only halfway through, you know? And you look at the other phases, let's not act like Phase 2 was fantastic, right? Even Phase 1, I mean, yeah, those movies, Iron Man's great. Avengers is great. But let's, I mean, in my opinion, the other ones aren't aren't too great. I don't think Iron Man 2 is that good. I don't think Captain America the First Avenger is great. I think it is what it is, and it's it's charming, but it's I mean you compare it to other Marvel movies, I mean, I don't think so. Thor, no. Loki's good. Loki's good in it and everything, but eh, no, it was pretty boring. Incredible Hulk. Unwatchable now. It has nothing to do with anything. Right? Phase 4 is just a lot of content. That's kind of my concern. It's like, do we need all these Disney Plus shows? I don't think so. I don't think so. I have enjoyed most of them. I enjoyed WandaVision, Loki, What If. What If Watch of Miss Marvel, I've enjoyed. I enjoyed Moon Knight. Hawkeye, didn't enjoy. Falcon Winter Soldier, is not aged well on me. And I'm hesitant towards the rest. She-Hulk, I don't know how that's going to work. I, I'm rooting for it. I hope it does. Secret Invasion, I'm I'm excited for. Ironheart, I'm excited for. Armor Wars, I'll see if they can make that interesting. And then the holiday special. I think the horizon looks good. You think Wakanda Forever is going to be bad? It's going to be sad. It's going to be maybe the most emotional Marvel movie. The Marvels, I'm excited for. You know, Captain Marvel gets a lot of hate. You know, the movie itself wasn't the best. But it had potential. And then you add in Miss Marvel... And Monica Rambeau, I'm excited for that. Of course, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. I'm super pumped to see what Blade is like in the MCU. Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania is what I'm most excited for. That's going to be off, off the wall. And then Fantastic Four, come on. It's going to be awesome. I think Phase 4 is going to shape out well. I think there's going to be some obvious eyesores. You know, Black Widow's going to age well because Yelena is going to be a fan favorite, right? Eternals is a mixed movie. I'm not a fan at all. But, you know, you're going to get a stinker in there, right? Like, all of the phases have one. Right? Don't they? I feel like they do. I feel like all the phases do. They have just one that's just like, eh, Huh, that snuck its way in there. They gotta try things. They tried Eternals. I don't think Eternals worked. I don't think it's going to work. It didn't even perform well at the box office. That's okay. I kinda like the Marvels just throwing stuff at the wall. And guess what? Guess what? 
You don't have to like all of it. It would be, it would be unfathomable, un, un, unfathomable, unfathomable. I've never said that word out loud. Uh, to think that, what? How many projects is this? Four, eight, twelve, sixteen, twenty, twenty-five. It would be crazy to think that all twenty-five projects would blow you away. Right? Come on. We got no way home. We got no way home in December. And now we're at May. We're like, yeah, maybe Phase 4 sucks. No, it doesn't. Everyone loves Shang-Chi. Everyone everyone was okay with Eternal. Some people hated it. Some people loved it. Everyone was lukewarm on Black Widow. But you love Spider-Man No Way Home. You love Shang-Chi. Multiverse of Madness. It was split. Thor Love and Thunder. It's split. Guess what? It's a movie. You're just going to be split on movies. That's what happens. The cohesiveness, they're going to make it work. You don't think Marvel's going to make it work? They gave you Endgame in 2019. They gave you No Way Home and End of 21. You're already doubting them? Come on. D23. The Disney Expo. Three-day event. I believe the 8th through the 11th. Or 9th through the 11th. I think I'm going to be... Uh, doing a live show during that. They should be announcing Phase 5 or at least some more projects. I'm super pumped for that. Uh, I did an hour. I think this is an hour. Uh, hopefully it wasn't, wasn't too boring. Uh, I, I think I rambled on there a, a, a little long. A little long there. Uh, so my apologies for that. Um, but yeah, make sure you follow me on Instagram at only the best one to wait, Twitter at MacBest3, and you know, keep on watching. Keep on watching. Uh, TikTok as well. Follow me on TikTok. Uh, best, comma, Mac. That is my username. Best, comma, Mac. It's a long one. I did an hour. I never thought I could do it, but I did it. I did it. We did it. So yeah, stay safe out there. Go watch a movie. Till next time. It's the Mac Best Movie.